And here we are. We're driving down the road. We're driving right down the road. We're finally getting back up to speed. We were on a two-lane highway out in the middle of nowhere, as usual. And we were stuck behind four vehicles. And it was driving us, well, driving me at least, nuts. Because we were 30 miles an hour, <laughs> and this is a highway. And finally, you know, we're slowing down to 25 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. And we're behind four vehicles we can't pass. This is a two-lane road. It's very narrow. It's hilly. And they finally pull off. And... I see the guy pull off, and I see him hauling a manure spreader behind him. And I'm like, what a load of manure. So, you know, I guess you got to do something with all that poop. And he's uh, getting ready to take it out and put it on his garden. or I'm not sure exactly what he's going to do with that. So, well, poop. And that is the biggest health improvement in human history, poop is dealing effectively with poop. Oh, not pooping, but dealing with poop. No, I, I think that part comes naturally. And, no, wait, wait, uh, no yeah. stop. What about antibiotics? Antibiotics probably saved a lot more lives than just <laughs> a good latrine, right? Wrong, but thanks for playing. No, not, not antibiotics? Not, not modern medicine at all? Not modern medicine at all. Really? If you see the biggest improvement in human health, the biggest improvement in lifespans... What about those death rates? The death rates dropped way off, but that's because of antibiotics, right? Since it happened 50 years before the onset of antibiotics, I'm thinking not. Well, poop. Yep. You don't want to transmit germs from one person to another, and the most efficient way to do that is have them be in the poop of one person that gets into the water of the other. Now, here's the thing. This is a big concern. This is a real problem because even in a short-term situation like, say, for example, Puerto Rico is going through right now, if you don't have effective ways of non-municipal dealing with poop, you risk the breakout of third-world diseases right here in your hometown, right in your household. I don't even want to think about what the big cities are going to be like of a week with no sewer system. People have no idea what to do. So what they're going to do is they're going to go out and they're going to poop in their yard. They're going to dig a little hole, right? Yeah, dig a hole. Yeah. Dig a hole. Yeah, I'll dig a hole. I'll put. I'll bury my poop because that's Every, what you do, right? You dig a hole, you bury your poop. If right? nothing else, they've seen the movie Up, so they know you're supposed to dig a hole for it. Now you, you see. And I don't know. I break. I take all of my prepping and life lessons from Pixar, motion <laughs> pictures. You know, I think everything you need to know about the ocean is in Finding Nemo. Uh, everything yeah. you need to know about don't thrill seek with jellies that that was that was a actually good trip. A pretty good yeah good that's tip. a good tip yeah <laughs> don't don't um, don't take on the jellies <laughs> you know there there are a few jellies that don't sting but most of them actually sting the crud out of you so don't take <laughs> and and urchins sea urchins yeah they'll get you too anyway long story short we're going to talk a little bit about poop what to do with the poop. What to do with the poop. And it's really, 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 really important that not only you know what to do with poop, but you know how to teach people around you how to deal with poop because you don't want to get sick from their poop. Yeah. That's a real problem. People say, oh, if we get in a survival situation, we'll just cut ourselves off from all of our neighbors and stuff like that. Really? Where are you getting your water from? Exactly. Where are you, where's your water coming from? Sure, you're purifying your water, but it's hard to purify every single drop you use for... Drinking for crossing with little cuts on your feet, for swimming in, 
the now, washing. I'm going to tell you a, a secret too. A lot of the people who have water purification systems and and filters and stuff like that don't pay a whole lot of attention to making sure that they're virus stopping. Viruses are teensy. Right. Now, that's not a really big deal if you're up in the mountains and you're in a mountain stream. Mountain streams, you're worried about things like Giardia and other contaminants like that. And bacteria, which are big. Yeah, and that's a big deal. But you're not really worried about cholera, okay? Because there's no, that has to come from a human or a similar source. And up there in that mountain stream, there's probably nothing up there that's, that's got cholera. Having said that, if you're drawing out of, out of a water source that's down the hill from where people are pooping, that's a problem. There's a lot of viral diseases that get transmitted that are not filtered out by the normal filters. So you want to treat the stuff and keep the water supplies clean for everybody's well-being. And this is also a really good, you know, even though it doesn't directly relate to poop, but it's also a good sub-feature. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, too of how to draw your water from sources that have the least chance of having contaminants. For example, rain runoff that you capture before it hits the ground. Yeah, that whole clear birds. mountain stream thing doesn't work as good as you'd think it would. No, it really isn't. It's you know People who drink out of a clear... I have a friend. Uh, okay, he's not a close friend, but he's a guy I know. Um, he is a medical doctor. And actually, he's, his career... Yeah, thirty-year career as a medical doctor. He drank out of a mountain stream when he was a kid. Well, not a kid, young man. And he suffered the effects from Giardia ever since. And this is a medical man who knows how to treat stuff. But once you get it, you can't always kick it. So you know, keep that in mind. Clear mountain streams are not necessarily clean to drink. Mountain streams. We dive in Florida. Right, we dive in underground rivers in Florida in the aquifer, and the water is gin clear, and it hasn't been touched by man. It's underground. We're diving in it. It's beautiful. It's clean looking. It's clear. I wouldn't drink that stuff on a bat. Nope. Because the aquifer has been contaminated. And if somebody's got a outhouse that wasn't properly constructed. It's very Anywhere easy in that watershed to get things into the water table. So, what we're going to talk about? We, first of all, Spice wrote an article. This kind of companion piece to this podcast, and so we encourage you to read an article. And she basically she's gone into what the WHO, the World Health Organization, has to say about doing outhouses because there's a right way to do them. Yeah, how to build one so it actually does what it's supposed to do and doesn't spread disease. Right. Which now, also makes it as pleasant to use as possible, by the way. Now, and then there's also the whole, well, we'll just poop in a bucket. Okay, but what are you going to do with the poop in the bucket once you pooped in it? So take it away. Actually, uh, I'm going to go with the latter first because that's actually our plan because we've got a good system for that. Talk, talk about it's it. It's called the humanure system. And the toilet that goes with it, there's a, a guy, a, a group, a guy, whatever, publishing information on it. He uh, sells what he calls lovable lose or or gives you the plans um, yeah yeah he'll he'll sell you the system 
which comes with the book and explains it all. Or you can go online to, I think it's called the Humanure Project, like human manure, humanure. Uh, he, you can download the whole book for free as a PDF. You can download the plans for all the stuff he sells for free. He really wants to improve people's sanitation, but if they would rather save themselves the hassle and buy it from him, then he's happy to sell it to you, too. Okay, for our cabin, uh, until we come up with a better solution, we did that. We have a humanure system in the cabin. And frankly, I've never used it. She has, I've not. I've never used it. Um... I'm going to admit something here, and you can tell me if, if I'm a horrible person, but... <laughs> well, the, let's just say nature has never desperately called me while I've been in the cabin <laughs> that way. You know what I'm saying? It, and that's all I need to say. I, I don't need to go into any detail. But um, sometimes, sometimes while I'm out there, I do have to powder my nose, if you'll excuse the expression, number one. And frankly, I go find a tree. But I go find a tree nowhere near or into, so it does not flow into our pond. And it does not flow into our neighbor's pond. No, yeah, because we're out in the middle of nowhere. There, yeah. you know, there are no neighbors sitting right next to us. This is going on to 40, well, where this is going, it's going on to 160 completely unoccupied acres. And, and by the time it gets through that, yeah, okay. Besides, urine is different problem. than poop. Because there's a whole lot of microbes that naturally live in your digestive tract, but there's not a whole lot of microbes that naturally live in your urinary tract. Now, since you, since you are a physiologist, you can answer this question. There is, it is stated by many that urine is sterile. Is that true? No. I keep hearing this over and over again. I know it's not true. It ought to be sterile coming out of the kidneys. It may or may not be sterile in the bladder because there's often a few microbes who've migrated up there and have not been washed out yet. But it is certainly not sterile after it emerges because it picks up microbes from the surface of the skin as it emerges. Not sterile. Okay, now we know. But that is different from the teeming lifestyle of what's going on with the poop. <laughs> the poop, the Most poop is alive. Most of the poop alive. is microbes and microbial products and people who don't eat a high-fiber diet. That's most of what it is. Because there are pounds of microbes in your gut. Pounds? So, pounds. About 10 pounds in the average male. 10 pounds of microbes? I've never weighed it myself. I've read that. That's a lot of microbes. Yeah, they don't weigh much each. I know. That's a lot. <laughs> I, the, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. The and microbiome I, I did not know that. is important to your well-being. And maybe I'll get around to doing a post on that one day, but it's today is not the day. And I know, I know that uh, antibiotics can be really, really hard, not surprisingly, they're antibiotics, on good microbes in my gut as well as the bad ones. Yeah, they don't know good from bad. They whack it all. So maybe that's why I lose some weight when I'm taking antibiotics. Because out they go. Well, <laughs> some of the 10 pounds goes for sure. Oh. Huh. Okay. The stuff you'll learn. <laughs> the stuff you'll learn. So let's go ahead and give me a few 
examples of what it is you're you've got going in this article and talk about what it is. Okay, there's I've actually it, so I, there's one article there and there's a link to a second. The uh, one we're going to put this podcast associated with is all about how to appropriately build a latrine, how to build it so it does what you need it to do. And it is a summarization of uh, some World Health Organization stuff, which is cited at the bottom if you'd like to read the whole thing or follow their links to the upgraded VIP uh, latrines, <laughs> as it were. So, yeah, it's just a summary on that because I really didn't know how to build one. That that made me think that probably a lot of other people really didn't know how to build one either. And it's not just quite as simple as digging a hole and putting an outhouse over it, although it's technically it's not more difficult than that. But there are some things to know and plan before you do it. So it's about that one. And then there's a link at the bottom that takes you to one I did earlier on the lovable loo because... Rather than uh, my carpentry skills are not impressive. No, mine aren't either. And I wanted a uh, solution in a hurry. So I went ahead and bought this guy's kit. And it's been uh, working well for the cabin. I stay out there a lot more than Salty does because it's closer to my place of work. Now, I will say that one of our goals, one of my goals at least, is to improve our my carpentry skills and actually... Get a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. Right now, I don't have any. That's on my list. And, that didn't uh, come in my early life. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm sorry, we're we're stopping in where they tore down an old building, and I'm a photographer, and I love the the walls. This is my one aside for this podcast. I love the old walls in a place like that. So hopefully, they'll leave it just like that, so I can use that as a as a photo backdrop. Okay, pressing right along. Sorry about that. That's my one digression. <laughs> It's a short one this time. The thing about the human manure project is, on the front end, it's pooping into a five-gallon bucket. It's got a nice uh, box over it, so it's stable and comfortable and feels like a regular toilet to sit on. So it's less unpleasant than just a bucket with a lid stuck on top of it. But But that's what it is. Right. But you have some cover material, and the presence of the cover material is an important part of this. It's got to be a dried, organic, non-toxic material. Sawdust. Sawdust a certain- works if it's not kiln-dried. If it's right. kiln-dried, you need something that's a little bit damp to make this work. Now, here's, what you do. here's how you get your sawdust. Like, we're in an area we have a lot of uh, lumber mills in our area that are... Basically, they build things like pallets. You're not talking about fancy wood. You're talking about rough wood construction tools. They build pallets. And they have how much, <laughs> They have more sawdust than they know what to do with. Yeah. They burn it as a fuel, but still. And they'll sell it to you raw or they'll sell it to you composted for, like, somebody told me it was 15 bucks a truckload. I haven't picked it up yeah. yet. Because so far, I've been using... Paper from the paper shredder at work. Which works great. And it's a great use for your paper shredder. You know, a lot of people just throw away the shredded paper from work if you have a if you have a paper shredder. Or even from your house if you're a little more security, security conscious, conscious than one. some. And I think everybody should have a paper shredder and shred their uh, financial stuff like their their credit card bills and bank statements should always go in the shredder if, when it's time for them to go. But that 
that stuff is actually really good for a couple of purposes, one of which is composting, and one of which is the lovable loo. Yeah, but it's a very, it's, when you talk to composters, they talk about green stuff and brown stuff. And the difference is basically that the green stuff has a lot of nitrogen in it, and it's still more moist, which is green. Glass cr- grass clippings are very green. Right. And, and fresh yard waste is green. It's got a lot of nitrogen in it. And the browns are the one that's mostly carbon and oxygen, hydrocarbon stuff. It's uh, dry and fibrous. And you need a mix of greens and browns to make a compost pile, because a compost pile is really a breeding ground for the right sort of microbial community that breaks down the waste. And that's what detoxifies the waste, is the microbial community. And the you collect the waste in a bucket, but after every use, you cover it with a layer of your brown cover material. Sawdust works well, coconut fiber husk works well. Obviously, this guy was producing materials for third world countries, too. I use the shredded paper that works pretty good. Uh, Finely chopped straw does nicely. So there's a whole bunch of choices of stuff you can use for the cover material. But after every use, you put a little layer of cover material over it, and that helps keep the stuff from smelling while you're doing the collection. And then you have a compost bin built. And his instruction manual tells you how to build the compost bin. You uh, dump the materials into the compost bin when the buckets are full. And you cover it with another nice layer of your brown cover material. And you monitor the health of the pile by taking its temperature because those microbes who are breaking it down, they generate a lot of heat. So if you're getting the right kind of microbial breakdown, the temperature of the pile will go up. And when the temperature of the pile hits a certain level, it kills all the micro, all the uh, germs that have come in there. The only thing that's living in there now is the stuff that's breaking down the pile. The things that the pathogens are killed at the compost temperatures. So that makes the compost clean. Now, you can use this as compost on anything if you've been monitoring the pile to watch the temperature. We don't have a... Yeah, yeah I can yeah. say we don't. We don't. No, we do use the we'll use the stuff, but not we, for not for like garden. Yeah, because if you put it on the garden, it's going to get on the vegetables, and then right. you're trusting that all the pathogens have been killed, or that the people who made the poop didn't have pathogens. Whereas, if you're using yeah. it to, to to help build up soil where you're going to plant a tree, that's a different kind of a thing. Yeah, or you're using it in uh, under you know in, in areas where you want to grow stuff, but you don't want to grow. Like tomatoes and stuff like that, where you're going to pick like that. Yeah. Uh, orchards are a great place to use it. Yeah. You can always find a use for this. Besides, even if you don't, it just, the worst, it just goes away eventually and makes soil. Yeah. Once you have it composted, if you don't want to put it on anything that's going into your food, you can just toss it any old place and it's safe then. Oh, yeah, it's just it, nice I mean, rich use dirt. It for, if you like ornamentals, there's nothing wrong with ornamentals. Sure. Put it on your roses. Yeah. You know, in fact, ro- roses are getting the right kind of roses are not just ornamental because you've got the uh, the what are they, the rose har- hips, the hips. Yeah, the rose hips, which you can eat. They're edible, and apparently they're actually decent. I don't know. I've never tried them, but I so. have used them in tea from time to time. Okay, so now, so that's the humanure. That's humanure approach. 
is to collect it and then run a compost pile in such a way that it's going to be uh, broken down. Because the human waste is very much a green collection. And then you're putting a bunch of browns with it, with the cover material. And it ends up being a pretty good mixture. Uh, when I was experimenting with just to see how well it was going to work and monitoring the temperature of the pile and all that stuff, I had no problem just dumping everything in there and stick the thermometer in and poof, there you go. It comes up to the right temperature and it's been um, cleaned up. And you don't have to do a lot of turning and stuff like that of the pile either. Okay. No fun at all. Next thing, what about the toilet paper? Toilet paper's a cover material. So it's okay? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So? And uh, you can throw house food scraps and stuff onto the same compost pile, no problem. So a compost pile is a great idea for anybody who is living somewhere other than off the grocery store. Right. Now you we, need a we have multiple, pile. We have multiple compost piles. Yeah. But... You're talking about something that unless you're a hyper composter, unless you're really, really spending a lot of time and effort and, and really working your pile, this is you're talking about something that's going to take years to really develop. This is not going to be, uh, oh, I'll put this out in the compost pile and two weeks from now I'll use it. Because that's not how it does it. If you're actually using the humanure toilet as your main toilet system, you've got enough waste to make it work. But We don't use it often, so we don't have that much waste. Right. But then it basically... You fill a compost pile for a year, you build a second bin, and the second year you fill the second pile while the first one sits there and finishes its cold decomposition. Because after you get a lot of the stuff broken down, you get a different set of microbes in there, you get earthworms in there, they do some other stuff. It changes temperature. and Yeah, it, it cools off, and but it degrades further to make it really good soil addition. So no. during the second year... You're collecting in pile two. You're letting pile one sit there. Beginning of the third year, you throw pile one wherever you want to fertilize, and you start filling that one while pile two sits there. And, yeah, it can actually, your compost piles can actually heat up too much to where you have to cool them down a little bit. But Probably won't, though, with Probably this system, won't. because the cover material is enough brown Yeah, to just make sure you happening. get plenty of, plenty of mixture in there. Now, yeah. another thing to keep in mind, what we're talking about, as we're talking about you as a sorry, our little machine got knocked. Uh, you as a prepper. And these are things that we want you to be thinking about. But you also is it time to move on to I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You also need to think about what your neighbors can and will do. And there's one little caveat I want to throw in here. No, odor is not a problem. You're probably thinking, oh, she's pooping in a bucket. It probably stinks up the cabin. No, it doesn't. Odor is not a problem. There's no odor issue. Flies are not a problem. Um, it's just not a problem. Keeping flies away from the human waste is very important, by the way. Yes. Because they'll sit on the waste. They'll breed in the waste if you give them a shot. And then they'll go sit on your food. Now, the yeah, the, the humanure plan is you have to keep that bucket so it can breathe, but it also can not let That's flies what the in. cover material does. Right. It uh, slows air movement enough so the thing doesn't stink. But you still want to you still want to keep it covered. And it yeah. And it keeps uh, I've never had any flies be it attracted to the outside bin where I've been putting it. 
I've never seen any flies in that pr- place at all. So it's just we used a- to have a giant fly problem there, but that's because the neighbors had cattle. Yeah, people they used to run cattle across the street, which they don't do anymore, which is I'm very grateful. Yes, because, wow, we had a full fly problem then. Yeah, they actually built a, a house. It's not right on top of us. It's quite a ways back. I can't even see it from the cabin. But they stopped running the cattle there, and that's, I'll take that trade <laughs> any day of the week. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't stink. Uh, if you have a neighborhood situation, for example, you could build some nice big compost bins. And then all the individuals in the area have to do is collect their own waste in the bucket. And about once a week, you take it and you dump it in the compost bin and put some more uh, cover material on top of it. And you've got a community solution that would work. Here's the problem that you're going to run into, though. Not everybody's going to do it. Not everybody's going to do it. And then you, so, so you just have to watch out. Where you're drawing your water from, because not everybody is going to do it. There's some nice uh, points on that that can be drawn from the uh, the piece I wrote with us about building latrines, because they talk about well, for one thing, the you may not know how outhouses are actually supposed to work, other than the obvious. There's a hole down there. You big build the hole big enough that you can collect waste in it for about five years, knowing that a lot of the liquid components are going to filter out through the surrounding dirt during that time. So you, they've even got a formula in there for how big a pit you need for how many people for how many years. You uh, get the pit, you're collecting the waste in the pit. When the uh, pit is mostly full, you cover that over with a foot and a half of dirt, and then you uh, dig yourself a new hole and move the outhouse over the new hole. That's how the outhouse plan actually works. That's how latrines work when they work well. But they tell you about uh, not only how big a pit you need, but based on the composition of your soil, how far away it needs to be from the groundwater, what to do if your groundwater is close to the surface. You can actually build the, the pit up uh, with bricks or something like that, or a mound of dirt that you've supplied. You can build the outhouse up on a mound and have the pit basically coming down toward ground level instead of below, so you can still end up well above the water table in your area. Um, how to not put it over right over a limestone bedrock, because the cracks in the limestone give you a highway to the water supply, and that's where wells and things are drawn from. Um, ideally, you've got the outhouse downhill from, from the well, but that doesn't always work, because the well is reaching down so deep to get the water. And Sometimes you just have to settle for getting on the other side of the ridge of the pond or something like that. And then there's situations like us where our, we don't really have well water as much of an option. Yeah, our, our water table's way, way down, down there. there. And it's bad anyway. It's full of sulfides. Uh, we don't, we just Not don't, worth digging for. Yeah, it's a, it is way down there. So we're using surface water filtered. Yeah. So, and it's very important that... Uh, I mean, it's important... That if you have a like a community, uh, a community lake, and people uh, are drawing water from it in an emergency situation, you can't allow people to swim in it. <laughs> you really can't. It, it needs to be pretty much cut off. Fishing, that would be okay, but swimming in it, it'd be a definite no-no. So um, be 
because who knows what diseases those people may have, and you're drawing your water from there, and this is not a good idea. So, and sooner or later, somebody's going to get something you can catch through there, right? Because of yeah. the wide variety of microbes hanging out in people's guts, anyway. So that's the humanure side of it, and that's the latrine side of it. So, you know, this is something that that you need to, yeah. if you haven't dealt with this, you need to come up with a plan. And more so than just coming up with a plan, you need to execute on this stuff. Okay? They make five-gallon bucket cover um, five-gallon bucket cover toilet seats are, man, are pre-manufactured. So you can sit yourself down on a five-gallon bucket. Now, I'm a much bigger guy than a lot of people are. Okay? I just no. That's not that's not really a very valuable viable option for me. The boxes you can find the plans for yes. from the Humanure project are much better answer. Much better answer. Um, and frankly, I didn't even just, like the lids on top of the bucket thing, and I weigh oh, 120 I mean, yeah. pounds. It, it, they, they just yeah. look like yeah, that might work for a 120 pound person, but you get up into uh, to a 200 pound person or, or above. Oh boy, that, that's pretty, pretty iffy. And I, and, you're, and you're you're in a situation where if something breaks, it's you're done. That's all, that's all there is to it. So, something just to, to keep this in mind. Um, people don't want bathroom stuff is stuff that people don't want to think about, or they I'll just deal with it. I'll just make sure I have plenty of extra toilet paper. Yeah, because well, you can buy do, toilet paper. That's easy fix. Yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna help you very yeah, much. Fix it. You just, where you're going to the toilet. And, you again, you're just not going to be able to go out, have everybody in your neighborhood dig a little hole in the ground and bury your poop. It doesn't, it's not going to work. And the second part of what I wanted to, to think about is where are you getting your water from? Are you drawing it out of a well? Or where is your replacement water supply? Because, you know, when it comes to us and prepping, one, number one, Always, always, always is water. It has to be water. It's your number it has one to be thing. Clean water. You cannot live without water. That literally has been the biggest health improvement the human race has ever experienced. Now, I, clean water, and a I'm lot of the world still doesn't have it. I'm an amateur historian, and right now I'm just going back through the Civil War. I'm just doing a, a, a survey of the Civil War. I'm reading a, a reading an audio book. Well. I'm, Really, I'm listening to an audio book, and I've re- I've heard it three or four times before. I like it because it's a narrative overview. Uh, Shelby Foote's uh, The Civil War Narrative. Highly recommend it. It's three parts. Get the audible version. Really well, really well done. But, you know, he t- starts talking about these historical figures, and it's enough for me to, to, I'll listen to, okay, about this general. And I'll go back and I'll look at the, uh, I'll be listening to the book, and I'll open up the, the wiki, and I'll find this general, you know, and his wife had seven kids and only two lived to adulthood. This is a very common thing for the 1860s. And, you know, you hear about Shiloh, okay? Shiloh is a horrible battlefield where thousands of people died. You hear about Gettysburg, horrible battle people with, where, or battlefield where all these people die. All those horrible battles were certainly the, the number one maimers in the Civil War, but they were not what they caused the most deaths. They're not even to close the to what caused the most deaths in the Civil War. That was camp sickness, and the camp sickness was due to hygiene. And due to Badly a bunch built latrines of... Pe- and right. 
drink. Not careful use of water. And also due, secondly, to a bunch of people from all over the country coming together and living together in these squalid conditions, whereas exposing each other to diseases from other places that they had never been exposed to. So we had the whole thing of the virgin field in situations. We had uh, just terrible hygiene. Uh, your dysentery was something that everybody had in the Civil War. Diarrhea. Diarrhea. Bloody diarrhea is dysentery, basically. And it can kill you. Killed a lot of people. It killed a lot of people. The bloody flux. And... Um, Whereas, if you compare that to looking at the same time, say, for example, the Napoleonic era, you look at, say, the, the sailors of the British Navy, which we're intimately familiar with, through the works of Patrick O'Brien, who is extremely accurate in his writing, they didn't have that problem. Why? Because they had the heads on the ship. You'd go to the head, you'd poop over the side, and then you'd leave it behind you. The ocean would clean up the poop because it's that's what oceans do. I mean, regular just poop. They got fine. plenty of microbes in there. Yeah. Um, and the poop left the ship. So that's why you know you were much if you were injured on a British man of war, you were much less likely to die if you convalesced on the ship than you were if you they took you to the hospital. Because of the sanitary conditions were so much better on the ship. Because, you know, you've got the ocean cleaning everything. Right. Now, occasionally they did need to pump the bilges to get the... Because, I mean, if in the storm, guys just kind of went in the in the bilge. And that got really nasty. But yeah. they needed to sweeten... And they called, get jail fever. Yes, jail fever. Jail fever was a real problem because people would... What it was, it was a... It was a sanitary disease. Yeah. But people would come onto the ship with it from the jails because they'd empty the jails to man these ships. Yeah. And a lot, lot of the epidemics that hit ships were because people came onto the ships already sick. Well, every one of the epidemics yep. on the ships, okay, true. basically. Uh, uh, close uh, enough. Close, close enough. enough. I yeah. don't know if scurvy would count as an epidemic. but Scurvy is not an epidemic. It's a nutritional disease. Okay. Anyway. So, there you have it. And at least read a post like or something like that to figure out how to build the outhouse. Our yard is big enough we actually could reasonably safely build an outhouse in our backyard if we needed to. But now I know how to build it so that water doesn't run into it when it rains and fills the pit. And how to build it so the top of the hole doesn't collapse. And fill the pit in and, and basically drop the the whole seat and everything into a collapsed hole. I didn't know that stuff before reading this. And no offense, guys, but I'm going to bet that most of you don't either. Yeah, I mean, frankly, it'll, even if you, you know, you'd been in the Army and dug latrines in the Army, it's not the same thing because you're not building a latrine for, you know, 400 people. <laughs> you could, but that's not really what we're talking about. And um, so we just wanted to throw this out there and give you some poop to think about. Cleanliness is next to healthiness. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.